Hello, and welcome to this edition of the Secure Networks, the Endace Packet Forensic Files with your host, Michael Morris. This week's very special guest is Rick Peters, CISO for the Operational Technology Business Unit at Fortinet. Rick, welcome. Thank you for joining. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your background. Hey, first of all, it's a pleasure being here, Michael. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, I've had a career, right, as an engineer uh, working in a variety of technologies with a big focus on operational technology, industrial control systems, SCADA, if you want to go deeper for those who, who care. Um, but the reality is, you, you know, you commit to an endeavor, and I've kind of worked it on both sides of the fence, uh, spent uh, almost four decades with the U.S. intelligence community, okay. you know, working, working uh, those domains as targets, as well as uh, defensibility for national critical infrastructure. Uh, in you know, 2018, agreed to, as I concluded one career, uh, started another one with Fortinet. Uh, and now as their CISO for Operational Technology in North America, it's kind of like an opportunity to play from the other side of the fence, if you will. Yeah. Right. It's uh, that, that opportunity to actually live with my sins, right? It's <laughs> raising the bar, right, with the goal of protecting those assets, not just here close to home, but around the globe that citizens depend on daily. So when you think operational technology, obviously you think of things like manufacturing, transportation, uh, energy is huge, obviously, all the utilities associated with that. And today, even uh, with modernization infrastructure, so think smart buildings, cities, campuses, all of these domains are are opportunity. No, we're we're really glad to have you as a guest. And that's where I really want to focus this conversation around. We're hearing and seeing a lot of concerns and a lot of threats against operational technology environments. Um, And a lot of security vendors are trying to address specific OT issues. So what are you seeing across the industry as it comes to OT and how do you feel organizations stand as a state of security readiness? Yeah, well, that's a loaded question in 2022. (laughs) Uh, We certainly have learned a lot, right, from, from attackers who we know that are opportunistic yeah, uh, they're, they're, they constantly are advancing their tactics, techniques and, and practices or procedures. So knowing that, right, it becomes uh, important to understand why are they targeting operational technology? Mm-hmm. What's the opportunity? And, you know, regardless of what you might think is their specific intent from extortion to espionage, to even sabotage, the, the end state is there it's profitable. It, it's turned profit. It continues to grow as an opportunity. And you see the number of incidents and events occurring that, that some get socialized and reported out there in open source. Um, and in almost every instance, what you find the common denominator is access, getting on the target. So when I talk to stakeholders or board members or, or executive leaders today, I said, you know, let's make sure we understand what we're trying to accomplish, right? It's control, access, trust, building trust into your environment and remembering that you know, in operational technology, you also run into older technology. Legacy hardware and software tend to be kind of what you run into, 10, 20, 30-year-old technology, operating systems that long ago IT dismissed are still out there in mainstay because they work. So now you have to manage not just a growing attack surface, but manage those opportunities that are reintroduced into an environment because they're now connected. Not directly, but there are opportunities to gain access and get on target. So, you know, on the flip side, we, we as we talk about what we mean by readiness or how organizations can be ready, we know the cybersecurity best practices. They're they're well understood. 
mm. you know, for, for IT, but we have to figure out how to adopt a framework that can make them achievable for a unique environment. There are things that are about operational technology that don't look, feel, or smell the same as IT. Right. And that's important, right? If you're going to think about cybersecurity maturity, certainly working with customers, we have to understand that part of the dimensional challenge and also realize that there's costs that we have to incur, right? So modernization has to come with a way to measure the value. You know, the executive wants to know, what am I getting for this? Right. And at the end of the day, it's really about being able to be confident in the environment, your ability to trust, because the abiding principle for operational technology across all the subsector verticals is safe and continuous business. Yep. No, there's some excellent points. What are you seeing most organizations missing? in their preparation or readiness planning? Oh boy, that, that, that's been uh, top of mind in a lot of places uh, in 2021 and leading into 2022, uh, perhaps driven the most by our current administration, right? Yeah. We're seeing a lot of language um, published and driven as requirements coming off of Capitol Hill where they focus on key industries, right? And those key industries like the energy grid or the electric grid or electric mm-hmm. system, depending mm-hmm. on how you want to characterize that. Certainly water and wastewater utilities. Um, I, I would venture to say oil and gas has certainly made the radar. Right. And, and even chemical manufacturing. These are volatile industries, but they're industries that, that most depend on daily. Right. And so the thing that you see absent when you start to pull away from it for a minute to try and capture the state is consequent consequence-driven strategy. It it sounds like something awfully uh, um, difficult to get your head around, but it starts with having a well-thought-out risk assessment. Right. You know, you got to know yourself. Behave as if you've already been compromised. I say that's a great place to start, but then you've got to understand your environment. And that starts with understanding your risks, vulnerabilities, and the likelihood of, of, of an event occurring, and then understanding the consequence of that event. And then building in a strategy to achieve a risk assessment that's well thought out. And I would say that helps you understand the impact to both your IT and OT enterprise, really important. And even more important, I think it builds, starts to build bridges uh, from, from parties that have unique perspectives, but also it helps you start to think ahead, being more proactive than reactive. You know, an exercised recovery plan says, I'm ready. Not only am I behaving, as if I've already been compromised, but I've tested myself. Right. I know when the instance occurs, the steps, the procedures that will be in play, and a lot of the language, again, that's come out in, in the executive orders mm-hmm. and in the National Security Memorandum are really foot-stomping that. They want to understand the state of readiness, the assurance that these systems can be recovered in timely fashion, and that we're not going to suffer a situation that causes public anxiety and a situation similar to what we witnessed uh, with the uh, East Coast oil and gas incident yeah. that occurred less than a year ago, because what happened? Uh, perception, public perception and consumption of open source, uh, sensationalized or otherwise, right. caused a run on the East Coast to acquire fuel at a rate that was well beyond the norm. Right. And, and interestingly enough, beyond the scope of the delivery for that particular uh, right. provider. So it, to me, it's fascinating, but that's a huge victory for the adversary. Yeah. Not only did they acquire the IT system causing an OT impact, but they ultimately caused a public outcry and anxiety right. and movement and activity. Well, that's a huge win. Yeah. No, I liked your point about consequential based thinking on it, because I think in that example, people didn't realize 
the public reaction that, that caused, right? So that expanded the problem way beyond what it maybe really should have been. So you, you mentioned something earlier. Um, there are real challenges for some organizations in that some of these OT systems are so legacy that they, they can't even be patched. Um, and so some, some organizations are facing complete system replacements. That's hard, right? And it's costly. Yeah. So what can organizations do in the interim? So I think the, the, the operative word here is that modernization is a journey. It's not a tactical event. And, and we have to understand where we are first. Yeah. Really understanding our current state and then examining our infrastructure. It's about working with solution providers who can afford that backwards compatibility. Right. If not, it's not uh, unrealistic to be able to be able to support a hardware and software that's been in the field for 20 years. That mm-hmm. It is possible. It's You have to be aware of what's out there, what's t- out there to, and be thinking in a dimension that goes beyond a single logo or a single provider for the solution because that just doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Today, collaboration and partnership are more important than ever. You're seeing that stressed even again at, at a national level because there's an understanding that shared intelligence and shared information and solution strategies are really important to advance the cause. It isn't just one single event. It's cross-cutting, right? So a patching strategy is unique in OT. You can't shut down operations as you do in IT to say, okay, you know, it's time to update everything. You can't, the cost is too great. Right. And so you have to be a bit more precise and strategic in those events, right? And planning that into, into how you're going to conduct your operations. And then you can start to think about things like virtual patching, which becomes a part of being able to take this away from something that has to be executed by the human and make it a part of what can work within your environment without taking down the entire system to accomplish that and and gain currency. And so there is a lot happening in the technical space in the front out there today to build those environments that that allow us to leverage um, intelligence Intelligence that allows us to understand our, our, our state of readiness, mm. our state of defensibility, and also our ability to not just detect, but neutralize events at the speed of business. So now that we're, we start to think in those dimensions, we're not, we're not waiting for the event. We're out in front of it. We anticipate. Very, very important. No, those are some, those are some excellent points there. In, in talking with many CISOs over the last several months, one kind of recurring message or theme that's coming up that I'm getting from them is shifting security teams' mindsets from prevention protection to designing for resiliency. So what does that mean from your perspective? And what are some of the incremental challenges in in designing resiliency for OT environments? Uh, That term resiliency is is used often. And I think if you talk to 10 people, you probably get 10 different definitions of what that means, right? Yeah. So I think the most important thing is to uh, to understand that what we're up against is a dynamic challenge. Mm. You can't check a box and move on. You have to be persistent in how you equate the challenges of understanding the state of your environment, recognizing any behavior that looks irregular. It, it may be an error state. It may be a piece of equipment failing, or it may be somebody actually engineering an attack on your environment. Got to treat them all the same, mm-hmm. figure it out and be able to sustain a safe operation. So, you know, that's, that sounds trite, it's, but it really is understanding what's at stake. Today, we're managing 
accessing and leveraging more data than ever. You know, what's, what's caused the connectivity or the drive to converge or connect IT and OT is this appetite for data, right? right? Being able to understand the state of the environment, to predict when I need to be able to do maintenance, to understand that I can pivot my manufacturing environment and anticipate those kinds of moves. Wow, that's really cost effective to do that, but it's open Pandora's box, right? To the connectivity into an environment, broaden the attack surface. So I have to be mindful of that. It's time to proportionally invest to protect my critical infrastructure uh, because it's a dynamic challenge. So while technology and innovation are great, they're accelerants, right? That allow us to do all of that. My failure then to proportionally pay attention to the attack surface and doing the things from a cybersecurity perspective to balance the equation uh, become absolute, right? Because if you want to look at your business, you kind of could characterize it as a a, a digital value chain, mm-hmm. right? We hear the term um, upstream to downstream all the time, and it's just a characterization from the birth of an idea or concept mm-hmm. through its production and delivery to the consumer. There's all these opportunities, right, to upset or or interfere or disable or disrupt the business, and that becomes what is what is opportunistic for for the adversary. So we're challenged now, right, to insist on earned trust. Mm-hmm. You hear zero trust thrown about an awful lot, but it's really about insisting on and every device, application, user that touches your system, yeah. got to earn that trust. You have to be able to have a role base that's well-defined so that they're allowed to do their job and only their job, mm-hmm. or the device is allowed to access and provide that data point or affect an operation the way it's supposed to and only the way it's supposed to. Mm-hmm. And certainly, I you know, we have technologies today, firewalls, uh, can certainly govern those operations, whether whether it's a playbook or a course of action that's well understood or limits and bands set. All of that capability exists today, and it and and, and not in a high cost way. It's it's very achievable using a reasonable investment and being able to show that you can be on a journey to continue to grow and mature that 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 uh, cybersecurity position as opposed to feeling like you've got to get it all done overnight because that's just not going to work. Right. No, and you, you hit it on the head too of the connectivity issues. Just to, you know, connecting OT infrastructures to IT infrastructures just for data and information analysis, and then not realizing those back doors that you potentially just opened. So um, you you nailed it on the head there. When <clears throat> so when you engage with a customer uh, with an OT environment, where do you begin to help them get their arms around their situation and their risk? Well, first, no one has all the answers. <laughs> now, I've learned anything as an engineer all the way back to undergraduate school is that engineers don't know everything. They're just smart enough to know where to go and use their, their assets and their sources yep. to get the information or the intelligence. So I think that's really important right off the top of mind. But you know, beyond that, I think if I'm sitting down with an operational engineer uh, at a specific site or I'm sitting down with executive leadership, um, my focus is first to listen a lot. Mm. Listening is a way of having an appreciation for where that particular business activity is in terms of it's not just its maturity, but what's top of mind. What's keeping that executive up at night? What are they worried about? What are they trying to accomplish? Right. What are the top three things that are on their their business calendar for this next six, 12 months that they need to accomplish? And where are they? Let me have an appreciation for their state. And by learning as much as I can, then I can have a thoughtful response that aligns with 
my understanding of where they are, what maybe what assets or capabilities or point solutions they already have in play. Mm-hmm. Very, very important to understand that. Um, and then be able to start to think about how to unify that to achieve some important aspects that are going to be key to them being able to operationalize and feel like they're in a better place. Uh, it's easy to characterize cybersecurity maturity and say, well, I've got this clever step function and you're going to get there. But you have to go beyond that and you have to be able to consider options that optimize their present investment because there's certainly, boy, a greater ROI for what I've already done. That's going to be high on my list because we can't rip and replace right. everything that's out there. So I think that that becomes extremely important. If you're going to have build that trust and that confidence, I start by playing back what I've heard that's that shows some empathy yeah. for, for their present situation, as well as a thoughtful way forward with some options that then give the control back to uh, the company or the business to make smart decisions. No, that's that's great insights there. So when when you're talking with these folks, what are some of the most common items you see as gaps uh, or things you would suggest as top priorities to a CISO for an OT environment? Well, it's, it's interesting, Michael. It was just um, three months ago, I, I, I met a CISO from a large pharmaceutical company and challenged me right out of the gate, asked a very similar question. Okay, <laughs> you've hired you today. What are you going to do first? I'm like, oh, wow, that's a really great question. And so I think I surprised him. I said, okay, so there's lots of dimensions, right, of, of, of being a leader that are going to allow you to succeed in this new challenge, right, that you're taking on. But I say it starts with building a, a, a set of peers, a tier of subject matter experts, both in IT and OT, that you can get to work cooperatively. Because you're going to bridge, right? You're going to bridge right. that gap and, and you're going to have to be able to recognize those unique business values that are very different for IT and OT. They don't always get along really well. So you got to help bridge that. And then you got to surround yourself with experts that you trust and then empower them. They'll make you look great. <laughs> you know, too often we want to micromanage everything and yeah. you've got to build and that team up and then trust them to get it done. On a technology side, you want to pivot for a second. It's really insisting, if you're going to be a little micro, insisting on complete visibility. Mm-hmm. I need to know where my assets are, be able to track them and understand my level of trust. So then I have some confidence because I can't protect what I can't see. Right. And today with the growth in the number of connected devices, whether it's IoT or IoT, that's a big problem. And then the last area that I would focus on is framework adoption. The importance of the framework adoption idea says I can address and look for gaps. I can use something like the NIST cybersecurity yeah. framework, right? It lets you break it down. It's a complete 360 degree cycle. That's mm-hmm. wonderful because it lets me be a little more microscopic in my inspection and my evaluation and a mm-hmm. report part of myself. If I'm not doing responsive work, I may feel really good about asset identification, but if I haven't paid attention to my response and recovery uh, piece, that's where I've got to make investment because ultimately I'm going to have to exercise that. And if I can't demonstrate that I'm ready and and able to pivot uh, and be able to deal with a crisis situation and recover, and then also have a communication strategy on the backside, I'm going to be condemned pretty fast because it's going to happen. And I'm going to be faced with an event like we saw with the oil and gas event on the East Coast, where communications, the absence of precise, direct communications, um, led the community, led citizens to uh, conclude on their own, hey, I need to rush to the gas station. Right. Sad, it, un- unnecessary, but but again, that's the human condition, right? Yeah. Process, yeah. evaluate, decide. 
Yeah. And that's certainly going to happen. Yeah, no, people, processes, and, and tools all, all come together. And oh, uh, you, you, you said it without really saying it, um, simulation, right? Fire drills, um, because you got to know how you're going to respond in, in, in the heat of the moment, right? And I think we've seen not just that one, but a number of, uh, shall we say, stumbles <laughs> uh, with, with people and not thinking about the ramifications of some of the broader issues. And I would add just one element back in, you know, when you're building those those teams up and surrounding yourself, make sure you have folks who have foundational knowledge of operations as a part of that team. Those operational engineers, they know that environment better than anyone. Yeah. And if you start talking about options, they can they can give you a pretty good feedback on what might work or what is absolutely untenable. That's very important when you're just developing your recovery plan. And you're starting to talk about things you might institute because they'll say, wait a minute, that will upset my business. It will cause a delay in production. And of course, then that's going to produce a loss, right. which is going to be unattainable with the executive board. Yeah. Certainly the CFO will you'll get their attention very quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. So Rick, one, one thing we always like to ask our guests, um, be a, be a prognosticator or forecaster here for a second. Um, you know, the cybersecurity space is super dynamic, but what's one thing you'd recommend to our listeners to really look out for or think about over the next 6, 12, 18 months uh, in the shifting battle for cybersecurity? What, what's, what's one thing you think everybody should have kind of on their radar? So uh, just top of mind, you know, you have to be agile. In 2022, <laughs> your ability to pivot is very, very important. You know, we've had a layered kind of a situation occur over the last couple of years, increased connectivity, then layered on top with a global pandemic that caused us to innovate much faster yeah. in industries than we might have imagined. So I'd say, you know, start close to home. Make sure you truly understand your own environment, your most important assets, where your intellectual property lies. Yeah. Knowing your own allows you to then make smart decisions on where you want to invest. Because you can be sure I'm the adversary. I know that landscape very well. I've right. taken the time to do the reconnaissance. I understand the opportunity. I've figured out how to gain access. And if I'm going to be successful in, in gaining that access, my first thing I'm going to do is move off on, on the target to accomplish my, my mission. So you have the opportunity to think like that adversary and be able to make sure, one, hey, I've got visibility taken care of. Oh, yeah, I've put a segmentation strategy in place, which is going to contain that that event. So when when that sudden uh, execution starts or that campaign kicks off, I'm going to recognize it, be able to quarantine it. I might be detonating code, but then that becomes a part of what I'm learning and designing into my system because I'm just, today's modern defensive systems. And we think defense in depth leverage all that actionable intelligence right. and then feed it back into the environment. So you're very aware of what's going on. So you have the latest signatures. You have the latest kind of a a position from an industrial point of view, very, very important. So I'd say start by knowing your own. That's That has got to be a, a number one priority. No, that's great insights, Rick. So Rick, thank you for joining, sharing your tremendous insights and in how better to secure networks. We'd ask our listeners to tune in next time for another edition of the Endace Packet Forensic Files. For more information about Endace's network packet capture platform and our integrations with our fusion technology partners like Fortinet, uh, please go to endace.com. Rick, thanks for taking the time with us. Michael, it has been a pleasure. Thank you.